Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host Mark Passio, my website whatonearthishappening.com, the network's website republicbroadcasting.org. Today is Saturday, April 5th, 2014. This show is live right here on Republic Broadcasting every Saturday evening from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 p.m. to midnight Central. We have a great show lined up for you here today. I'm going to be continuing to discuss the possible origins of psychopathy on the show tonight. And what we're really going to be doing is going to the phones to get people's opinions on the possible origins of where psychopathy came from within humanity. I'm really interested in hearing from people because it's a very interesting dynamic. You know, when you get into people's minds and you ask them about what caused this? Where did this come from? Where do you think this came into being from? It tells you a lot about where the human mindset is at. So I'd like to try to put my finger on that pulse tonight. And in doing so, let me give the call-in number right off the bat. You can call in throughout the show to give me your take on what the possible origin of psychopathy, the condition of a human being, a subset of human beings having the inability lacking the actual capacity to feel emotions in the physiology, to feel the repercussions of what they do through their behaviors to another living being. So the call-in number to join us here on What on Earth is Happening, 800-313-9443. Once again, the call-in number, 800-313-9443. Really? So, um, yeah. I have a couple of quick event <laughs> announcements, and I want to let people know I'll be uh, doing three radio appearances this week. The first will be on Alchemy Radio with Stevie Whoa. Gibbons. That is Monday, April 7th, 2014. That's from 10 a.m. to noon 
Eastern Time. The website to listen in live on uh, that show is alchemyradio.net. I will be on Cancel the Cabal with Stephen Roberts. This is part of People's Internet Radio. You could check that out at peoplesinternetradio.com. I'll be on that show on Wednesday, April 9th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Wednesday, April 9th, 7 to 9, Cancel the Cabal, peoplesinternetradio.com. And, of course, I'll be on Down the Rabbit Hole with Popeye. Great show on the Truth Frequency Network, uh, truthfrequencyradio.com. You can also check out Popeye's uh, site, federaljack.com. I'll be on uh, Down the Rabbit Hole with Popeye at federaljack.com on Friday, April 11th from 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time. The Truth, Freedom, Prosperity Screening and Discussion Night will be taking place on the third Thursday of every month at the Guerin Recreation Center. That's at 1600 Jackson Street in Philadelphia. That is taking place Thursday, April 17th at 7 o'clock p.m. Thursday, April 17th, 7 o'clock p.m. This month, we're going to be showing the documentary film, I Am Fishhead. I Am Fishhead is a documentary about psychopathy, about the condition of psychopathy, about what it actually is, how prevalent it is in society, and most of all, how human beings allow this condition to continue unchecked. Because, one, many of them don't know anything about it, and two, they won't stand up for their rights and actually do something about it and take right action when it comes to standing up against psychopaths, especially the ones that are controlling our society. So uh, that's the event announcements I have for tonight. Um, Also, uh, there is a support donation button on the whatonearthishappening.com website. Uh, If you feel that you've gained... Uh, value from the information up on that site and through the radio show and podcast feel free to make a voluntary donation through the donate button on the left hand side of the page Uh, images for today's show again I always uh, usually prepare slides for the show today I only have one it's a light day uh, regarding uh, images that are posted because um, again I'm not really going to introduce a whole lot of new material uh, I'm going to basically review uh, some things that we've already talked about regarding psychopathy. And again, I really want to hear people's take on the origins of this condition. It's, I, I feel that's very important because it's a question that is very rarely ever asked. How many people are even looking at the causal factor or the origin of this condition? Where did it come from? What put it here with us? You know, did it develop over time? Is it something that's natural? You know, is it something that uh, is highly unnatural and uh, something uh, did this put us in this condition deliberately or possibly inadvertently by accident? Um, you know, it, you never hear people talking about that because to acknowledge that psychopathy even exists and to understand it, you're, you then have to go to that implication. Where did it come from? That's, the, that's a lot of the reason why a lot of people don't even want to acknowledge it exists. I still get emails. I told people this last week. I tell people this when I'm interviewed on other shows. I still get emails from people trying to convince me that psychopaths don't exist at all, that there's no such thing as this condition, that it's an invented condition. You know, and, and psychiatrists want to make this up so that they could put people on drugs, on psychotropic drugs. And I realize, yeah, do a lot of 
<laughs> psychologists and psych psychiatrists want to do that absolutely there's no question in my mind that uh, there's a lot of invented mental conditions so that they could uh, put people on expensive drugs uh, psychopathy is not one of them ladies and gentlemen and the reason I know that is because I worked with a lot of psychopaths in my past if you're around people like this and you know definitively that they have this condition after understanding a description of it I don't need anybody trying to convince me that this isn't real okay I know it definitively from firsthand experience out around these individuals all right, and I'm I'm telling you, it isn't just that they became that way over time. Many of them are just are like that, and this is a, a really great book to read on this whole topic. Is the Sociopath Next Door by Dr. Martha Stout? Maybe I'll post a link to it in the uh, in the podcast. Uh, by the way, this is podcast number 150 for What on Earth is Happening. A little bit of a milestone, the 150th episode tonight. Um, but, uh, to go back to what led me into this is, uh, uh, again, there's not going to be a whole lot of, uh, brand new material for, for in-depth study and new material as far as that's concerned tonight. I really want to get my, your take on the origins of psychopathy. And there is one image that goes along with the show tonight. It's up on the radio show page or posted with the podcast. Again, this is podcast 150. And it's essentially all of the different possibilities for the origins of psychopathy. What I'd like to hear is if anybody has any additional possibilities. So we'll go to your calls throughout the show. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. Stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Before we go to the phones, I just also uh, want to briefly mention uh, we are in the middle of the uh, season of the year known as the season of sacrifice. I broke it down last week on this show, and um, uh, lo and behold, during the week, we had a mass shooting in the middle of the season, actually toward the beginning of the season of sacrifice. Um, clearly a false flag, clearly another uh, justification for gun control and the further shutdown of uh, an already closed society. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to mention, I mean, you look at some of the numerology involved, the last four, Fort Hood shooting, nine killed, and they... Uh, they rounded it out real nicely this time. Four more killed for a total of 13 between the two. You know, they, they love their little number jabs and, and, and uh, you know, little games that they play as far as numbers are concerned, don't they? But um, uh, just expect more things like this as this 40-day time period unfolds. And I wouldn't be, you know, uh, letting down your guard just yet because uh, usually around April 20th they have some big things uh, in the works, April 19th and 20th. And then around May 1st is another big time of the year to watch for uh, blood rituals. 
So um, just uh, you know, just talking about it last week, and then it happens right, right there, very shortly thereafter. So um, I, the 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 phones are open for anything anybody wants to talk about. Actually, I, I'd prefer to hear about what you think the possible origins of psychopathy are, but that we're we're not limited to that. If you want to call in and ask questions about anything I've covered, it, it's fair game. So the call-in number to join us, 800-313-9443. Once again, 800-313-9443 to join us on What on Earth is Happening. Let's go right to the phones. Uh, Bob from Cincinnati, my friend, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. You are too kind. Thank you, Mark. Mark, congratulations on 150 episodes. This is a great milestone, and it was such a pleasure to see you and Barb and the other. Oh, Bob, did we lose you there? We did. Oh, Bob, call right back in. The producer will put you back through. All right, call back in, Bob. Great to hear from Bob from Cincinnati. It looks like he had some phone problems there. Uh, hopefully we can get him back on. Uh, let's go to uh, Raphael in Indiana. Raphael, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hi, Mark. Uh, nice to speak to you finally. Um, just want to say uh, thanks for everything you've been doing and keep up the great work. Thank you. Um, I have a question. Um, sure. I'm, I'm kind of like being kind of torn and trying to figure out what I'm actually trying to, I guess, distinguish between um, our founding fathers because, you know, it seems like they took us out of the old the old order and brought us into, like, the new world order. And that's where I'm getting confused as far as, like, you know, what their real purpose was because some of the founding fathers were Freemasons, but yet some of them, you know, tried to separate from the old world order. So that's, you know, I kind of want to get your insight on that. Yeah, I've talked about this briefly before. Um, I think there were different factions of the, quote, founding fathers in this country, and some of them were indeed what I would consider light Freemasons and were working toward true freedom and were really trying to separate from the crown and trying to uh, start a life here uh, that was uh, unfettered by the psychopathic rule of the old world. Uh, However, uh, they didn't go far enough in their understanding of what true freedom entails. Um, Many of them didn't apply that to everyone. And uh, that came through in their uh, allowing to uh, uh, of setting up of institutions such as African American slavery in this country, uh, that we you know from slaves being brought over from uh, Africa, specifically the Ivory Coast, uh, and to allow that to continue unchecked as an institution here in America for you know the, well over the first hundred years after its founding, and uh, it it's just really an unacceptable. Uh, it was an unacceptable state of affairs. It's halfway understanding can't accomplish any modicum of real freedom. You know, we we need to go all the way in our understanding. And that's not to say that uh, a lot of the founding fathers didn't have a a good understanding of what real freedom is. I mean, if you really look at Thomas Paine, he was probably the most enlightened among them. And that's why I believe he is highly de-emphasized in the study of the origins of America today. Because uh, the people in positions of power and who are writing history now, they don't want people to look into Thomas Paine. Uh, they don't want people to understand he was an anarchist. He was against all forms of any kind of a false religion that holds you back from truth, from holds you back from an understanding of morality and natural law. 
So uh, I think while uh, specifically a lot of the, the uh, founders that were in the northern states had a, a better understanding, if you look at um, the uh, Declaration of Independence and how it even was voted upon, uh, the southern states blocked it because Thomas Jefferson, who, yes, was a, a slave owner in uh, you know, the state of Virginia, he had already made a verbal contract with uh, the slaves that uh, were living on his land to release them from uh their their bonds and uh you know regardless of what the the south was going to do so he deplored the practice to begin with but um it was an institutional way of life in the south and many people just you know that's how they were raised so he took it up and then obviously was ready to set it down and and set it aside and said no this if we want to be free we can't do this to other beings so um he um uh, had a, a, a decent understanding and was prepared to do what was necessary to cease that practice. Uh, but um, if you look at the, the uh, Southern state representatives during the Con- Continental Congress, they um, uh, uh, refused and, and, went, and they looked at the anti-slavery laws in the Declaration of in- Anti-Slavery Clauses, I should say, in the Declaration of Independence, and they all, were all prepared to, to walk out of the, the uh, ratification of the Declaration in mass and say, we're not going to get behind this, we're not going to sign it, and it's going to die in committee right here unless you take these clauses out. And eventually Franklin and Adams, uh, you know, uh, persuaded Jefferson and said, we have to fight one battle at a time. Let's go for independence first and, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, fight this battle, you know, when we come to it. But if we don't get their support, the support from the rich states in the South now, uh, we're not going to have any new, new country to, uh, you know, try to set up uh, some kind of system of freedom in. Uh, I, I, I feel that this was the dichotomy that was going on. People understood freedom at many different levels and they weren't fully enlightened. Uh, so I don't take the approach that, oh, they were all just working toward the crown to try to set up some new slave colony here. Many of them really wanted true freedom, but didn't have a perfect understanding of what it meant to be enlightened or what freedom really meant truly. So that's my take on, on the founders. It's, it's, uh, something that can't be explained in a simple way. It's a complex interaction between a whole lot of human beings, just like what's taking place today in this country. Not everybody is, is. is has an all the way understanding. It's the same dynamic. And it's perfect. As you said, a lot of people are in that child mode where they, a lot of, a lot of people I talk to, they think that, uh, you know, they'll call and say, well, with the founding fathers and a lot of them were, were we're uh, Christians and this and that, and they base this on country and, you know, Christianity. And, and it's actually, the, you know, totally the opposite. They wanted to get rid of, you know, separate from the old church and old religion, so to speak, and just start anew, you know, but, uh, I think they all had health. different, I think they all had different philosophical and religious beliefs. There were Christians among the founding fathers. There were esoteric Christians among the founding fathers. There were uh, deists among the founding fathers. There were atheists among them. There, there were also, um, you know, people who uh, certain of them uh, had an esoteric understanding of mystery traditions like Freemasonry or Rosicrucianism. So it's not a, a simple dynamic that's one thing. It's a complicated dynamic that was taking place there. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. Oh, Bob from Cincinnati. I was looking forward to hearing his call, but uh, unfortunately, he uh, uh, had some phone problems. It was great seeing Bob out in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. Came out, actually introduced me uh, as part of my New Age BS revisited presentation. So, uh, Bob, uh, keep trying to call back in. We'll see if we can get you back on the line. Let's, uh, I want to thank Raphael in Indiana for his, uh, great question, uh, regarding, you know, the nature of the founding fathers, what they were really attempting to do and, you know, ultimately, uh, failed. And, uh, I'd have, have to admit that it's not to say that, uh, a new, uh, incarnation of the dynamic spirit that, uh, was, uh, the original driving force behind this country is impossible to revive, but, uh, because they did not really effectively morally educate the entirety of the population and really communicate those values such in depth to people, uh, you know, this country has fallen into tyranny within a, a 200, less than 200 year period, really probably within less than a hundred years, actually. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's a complicated dynamic, like I said, and you have to study it from many angles and realize that there were many different agendas at work. It is not one thing going on. Were there agents of the crown operating here? Absolutely. Uh, I personally think Alexander Hamilton was one of them. Uh, were there really good uh, men who were involved in Freemasonry, who were working toward the uplift and betterment of this country and its people? Yes, believe that as well. That's absolutely the case. So it's not just one thing uh, going on there and people who look at it from a uh, unidimensional perspective, oh, they were Masons and so they were bad, don't re- understand what was happening in, in this country at that time period in history and nor certainly do nor certainly do they understand anything about what real Freemasonry is if they try to just group anybody that uh, studies it or um, you know tries to convey its teachings uh, as as all bad. So um, let's uh, go to another caller. Uh, Let's go to Melinda in Ecuador. Melinda, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I I wanted to say thank you, Mark, for for who you are and um, for sharing some great wisdom to humanity in regards to um, the real truth and a truth based on your direct experience instead of something you learn from somebody else in an educational institution or a website. Um, It's one of the key elements in changing the world is being aware of direct experience um, and the knowing instead of a belief system. Right. And um, so a little nervous. I've never spoken on a radio show, but I, I am have direct experience with uh, some of the elements that are functioning um, that are affecting this planet in a negative uh, way. And uh, you were speaking about psychopathy. And what I've become aware of is that there's a, a force that is trying to destroy humanity. And um, I, like, I, I believe that they're reptilians in nature. 
and that they're trying to take over humanity and destroy it through division and uh, also through false education. So I wanted to hear your comments on that, and and uh, that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be getting into the possibility of interventionist uh, aspect of human origins, okay? And what that means is that the traditional story that we get from archaeologists and anthropologists and biologists and you know, uh, people who, uh, propagate the Darwinian worldview, um, may not be the whole story. There may be something else that has been going on here in the ancient past, uh, and really led to the condition that humanity finds itself in now. And that's why I'm so focused on this, uh, the answer to this question of what is the possible origins of the condition of psychopathy? Because if you look at the rest of nature, you know, it doesn't really fit in. It's something that is an anomaly. It's, you don't see it in really other species. You don't uh, see this level of imbalance in the natural world, uh, which is why to me, if you look at the one slide for tonight's show on the what on earth is happening.com radio page or with the podcast for t- today, um, Possibility number one, that it is just natural and nature caused this condition. Nature caused psychopathy and as a result led to the current human condition of us being ruled by psychopaths uh, doesn't really hold much water. A lot of people will look at this and they'll say, this is the most plausible condition, uh, possibility. This is the one that Occam's razor applies to, that it's the simplest that it's just a naturally occurring phenomenon, that it's just a set of characteristics that somehow developed over time within a you know percentage of humanity. And this was just some sort of a, an adaptation that human beings underwent, you know, uh, uh, maybe environmental conditions drove it, etc. To me, that makes the least amount of sense when you really look at it in its totality. And when you, uh, you know, try to come to an understanding of what led to this condition, um, you have to look in all the possible places. You have to say, well, if it wasn't a naturally occurring phenomenon, or some people may think it was, uh, you know, is this just something that was foisted upon us, that was done to us directly? And then you have a bunch of possibilities. Well, that could mean it's just this is the way God wanted it. You know, if you even believe in God, you know, do would a creator of the universe be so twisted himself, herself, itself to say, I'm going to create this horrific condition here and just leave it here with this species just because what it, he doesn't like us. It doesn't like us. Um, it, it just wanted to torment us for some strange unknown purpose. You know, that that's where God gets this, the force of creation gets its jollies from? Well, to me, that doesn't make any sense either. I think those two possibilities, one and two, make very little bit of sense in my worldview. And again, that's what this will really, I think a discussion of this will, will show people like, what is your worldview? Do you believe nature does things like this? Do you believe God does things like this? Do you believe we do things like this? Or do you believe possibly that some other form of intelligence does things like this. And it's not, 
human nature to do something like this. You know, possibility three from last week was we did this to ourselves. We arrived at some technological civilization in our ancient past. And, you know, we thought we were the kings of the universe and we started tinkering with our own genetic code and inadvertently created this condition in the process. I'm not ruling that out. I'm, I'm saying that's also a possibility. I'm not saying that's, you know, uh, couldn't be one of the things, one of the things that led to this condition. Perhaps it is. Um, but to me, the thing that makes the most sense is that this is something that was done to us, to us as part of our origins, as part of the conditions that led to our creation as a species. And I don't mean our creation as a species by the God of creation. Um, and that opens a whole big can of worms that puts people in a fear-based mindset, mindset often because we're talking about the unknown. And then many people will say, well, we're going to talk about the current human condition being the result of something that a non-human intelligence did to the human species. That's a disempowering thing to put out there for people. Well, the truth is never disempowering. If that were the truth, I'm not saying it absolutely is. I'm saying if it were the truth... I think it's a possibility, but uh, if it were the truth, would you not want to know that and be in a position of knowledge? Knowledge is always going to create empowerment. Only ignorance creates disempowerment. So people, I hear people who will say, I won't even entertain that notion because it's somehow disempowering and fear-based because if people think they're up against something that's not them, it's a different species altogether, then they shut down completely and they don't want to get involved because they think there's nothing they can do about it. And I tell people, can you please point to me the place where I ever said ever, 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 there is nothing we can do about our condition because you will never find it. You'll never find that in any record of anything I've ever stated. The only thing I've said that there's nothing we can, can do anything about is the existence of natural law because those are the boundary conditions of the 3D universe. They're the boundary conditions of the creation itself. And those laws are in place and there is nothing we could do about that except understand that they're in place, understand how they work, and then choose whether to live in harmony with them or not. So we'll go back to the phones on the other side of this break. Plenty of callers in queue. Bring whatever questions you have. If you want to give your take on the origins of psychopathy, that's also welcome. We'll be right back, folks. Don't go anywhere. everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. So let's uh, continue to go to the phone lines. Uh, Fred in Georgia, you're live on whatonearthishappening.com. Uh, on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Mark. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, good. I am calling you because I have uh, feet on the ground in the trenches uh, with causality known uh, experience with psychopathy. 
Okay, go right ahead. Uh, um, have you ever heard of something called reactive attachment disorder? No. Okay. Reactive attachment disorder is very common when you adopt kids from Eastern European countries, and it's because they grew up in orphanages. Um, there's a movie that you should find and seek out that uh, will explain it to you, I think, in pictures more than my words could tell you. It's called The Border, B-O-A-R-D-E-R. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, and what happens, essentially, wait, before I forget, before I go into this, um, I would like, if you can, I've heard you mention it a couple of times, to do a show on the original Christianity. Yeah, I've, I've essentially done that show already with uh, uh, Bob from Cincinnati on Occult Empire. Uh, I, uh, we did an entire show on Occult Empire on the Rosicrucian tradition, which is oh, esoteric Christianity. Uh, that, that goes back to the Gnostic tradition and the original uh, Christian tradition in the, in the Middle East in the turn of the first century. Uh, but it's essentially the same tradition. Uh, one yeah, is just the podcast? Western esoteric variant of that tradition. But are you, are you specifically referring to Gnosticism or the Essene tradition? Well, I think that's probably kind of what I'm referring to, because I, I want to find the original. And, um, yeah, if it's in the podcast, I'm only up to like 59 now. So I would say every real mystery tradition school of thought is teaching that tradition regardless of where its origin is, what time period of the world. If you want to talk about real Christianity, it, it predates the, the birth of Christ in biblical terms. Uh, that, that tradition right. was, was still being taught thousands of years before Christ was ever born as Jesus. You know, um, Whether you believe in that as a historical personage or not, or you think it's an astro-theological allegory is not the point. The point is that that tradition, the actual gnosis, the knowledge of natural law and the knowledge of the way to actually be in the world is the original Christian tradition, regardless of what other name you want to call it. Uh, true esoteric Kabbalah is that tradition. True esoteric Freemasonry is that tradition. True esoteric Rosicrucianism is that tradition. The tarot tradition of the ancient world is that tradition. They were all teaching the same essential elements regarding life, regarding the nature of consciousness and regarding natural law. And they were, they were, they were just different systems of correspondences and symbols and, uh, you know, word systems of just teaching people through parable, through allegory, etc. They were just different ways of expressing the same overarching concepts that tr this tradition's been around since time immemorial. It's been here for as long as humanity has been here. Uh, that knowledge really can never be erased and can never be destroyed. It can only be um, basically uh, darkened over. You know, you could cover it up for a time, you know, like you could cover somebody's body with a thick blanket or cloth and, you know, prevent them from seeing what's on the other side of that veil. But you, what's on the other side is always going to be there, you know, and it's just a matter of time until we remove the things that have veiled our sight and we'll be able to see and understand, uh, that those teachings for what they really are and, and understand they've always been here. So, uh, really, if you, if you want to get down to it, I've really already talked about this in past shows. If you want to go back to the shows on Kabbalah or Freemasonry or, 
you know, the show that I did with Bob from Cincinnati on his show, uh, Occult Empire on Rosicrucianism, they all touch on what I consider to be the true original esoteric tradition. It's all one tradition, really, if you ask me. Well, and that's the feeling I get. And, and I'm comforted when you say that because, um, yes, that, that is the definite feeling I get when I'm listening to all this stuff. So I'll go on to uh, the next request I have for you, and I'll go into sure. my, my psychopathy thing. Um, if you can't get Jay back on to, to talk more about um, how to help people with psychopathy, because um, the kids that come from these Russian orphanages, I think, are a clue. Yes, and, and what you're talking about there, Fred, is secondary psychopathy because they're not psychopaths necessarily from birth. This is happening because of the conditions that they're in at a very young age, and that's a, there's is, a big I, difference. I, we have to delineate that difference certainly between primary and secondary psychopathy. So th- those individuals, I do believe, can be helped without any question, uh, without any doubt in my mind. Secondary psychopathy is is reversible with a lot of work, with a lot of attention, with a lot of care. It is reversible. Primary psychopathy, on the other hand, is a totally different story. And I should have placed in my slide, ladies and gentlemen, this is a kind of an oversight on my part, but I'm assuming that people know what I mean when I'm talking about the origins of psychopathy. I mean the origins of primary psychopathy or what's been called genetic psychopathy or psychopathy from birth as a condition, as a condition in the human genome that is a defect in the human genome. I'm not talking about psychopathy that is generated or brought on by traumatic conditions, whether early on in life or later in life. Uh, So that I should qualify that and perhaps even change the slide and say, the possible origins of primary psychopathy in humanity. Uh, the, the form that Fred here is talking about, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, secondary psychopathy that is, is taken on through traumatic circumstance in life, and then the emotions get numbed out of the individual. And this can happen at a young age. So um, I absolutely think that's a great idea. I think Jay, has a, uh, Jay Parker, who you're, you're speaking of, has a lot of uh, great uh, uh, techniques for that. I've talked about some techniques that can help to balance the mind. Ultimately, you really have to have uh, a lot of people in a caring environment working on that individual. That's really what it's going to take. One person's not going to do it. One just kind of knowledge or technique's not going to do it. It's going to take a multifaceted approach from multiple individuals who deeply care. And that's what we're really up against, ladies and gentlemen. We're up against that. That's our work. That, that, that work that, that Fred here is talking about to help reverse the condition of a secondary psychopath in, in early life. That's really our work. All the people out there who are still asleep, you know, they're in this condition of not caring and it mimics secondary psychopathy and they don't care and they don't have knowledge. And it's, it's our work. We have to come together as people who are knowledgeable, as people who do know what's going on, as people who do care and make that be something that is an infectious energy that propagates to, to these people. We, we can't do it one by one on one. It doesn't work that way. You've heard the adage that like you have to hear something seven different times from seven times from se- at least seven different people for it to even become part of your uh, worldview that you will even entertain 
that you will even consider as a possibility, let alone understanding and looking into it for yourself and then going, you know, to uh, acquire knowledge about it and understand that it may be true. Um, this is the great work. This is the work that I, I keep talking about that really is ours to do. We have to come together and team up on people. You know, forget about one person trying to convince one other person. You're not going to get very far that way. Just like one person working on one psychopath, they're not going to get very far. It's going to be very arduous, difficult, painstaking work that's going to take all the life energy out of that person. Believe me. We need to team up on people. We need to bring people information in numbers all at the same time. When they hear it from multiple different people, then they're going to start saying, hey, there's something to this. They hear it from one person. It makes that very easy to dismiss. That's how the mind works, unfortunately. That's how we consider the source for a verac- for veracity or truthfulness of information, unfortunately. We say, well, what's my initial impress- impression of this person? Oh, well, it's, not, it's not that I totally trust them. Well, then what they're saying can't be true, you know? We'll pick this up on the other side of this break, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom like the good book says. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening into the second hour of the show this evening. Uh, Fred in Georgia, you had, uh, uh, wanted to, uh, wrap up your, uh, comments and, uh, insights and, uh, we'll move on to some other calls. So, uh, you could finish up, go right ahead. I will. Thanks, Mark. Uh, first off, let me tell you that, um, your information, I think is helping me help my son because he is the secondary psychopath, I think, uh, by the virtue of being reactive attachment disorder. Um, and natural law is a good rule to be able to explain to him. Sure. And, right. and, and also the, the, the causal factor of that condition, you're, you're probably well aware, is the, that parental abandonment issue that lies underneath, you know? It is, and I, and I think based on what I've heard from you, it's the destruction of the feminine pillar. Of care. Lack of, is a lack of empathy. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting because I don't know if this has any, anything to do with that, but he was tested for IQ, and he's at 98%. Right. His intelligence, I'm sorry, his intellect. Yeah, no problem with the intellect, right. Right. His intellect is very high, and, and he's, he's a sweet kid, but he completely lacks activity. And, sure. um, and you were talking about secondary and primary psychopathy. Have you ever seen the movie um, The uh, Green Lantern? I did. Yes. That, that is entirely about care, the generative principle. 
the green energy, the hard energy, and they liken it to will because the will is driven by true care, you know? So that's what, that's the force they call that in that movie. Great movie, actually. It is. You remember the, the primary villain wants to make everyone else ugly. Right. Right. And, you know, I, 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 I propose to you, perhaps, the dark occultists being psychopaths themselves want to propagate psychopathy. Of course. Um, if, if you look at the general trends in society, um, two parents working, uh, no close attachment, um, yep. it, it really generates this kind of psychopathy. It's atomization. Um, it's it's uh, basically driving a wedge between everybody in society, creating a world who's, uh, the, where the value system is about dog-eat-dog. You know, and atomizing people so that they never really come together in, in, a, in a focused way, in, in a caring way. You know, that, that's what they're, all their rituals are about. The cremation of care ritual is about the destruction of that feminine force, that energy of care. You know, because they, they know care is what generates our entire reality. What we care enough to put our attention on and then put our willpower behind is what gets manifested. That's the, that's the law of creation. That's the law of attraction, the real one, you know? So, uh, very, very powerful insights. I'm, I'm glad you really understand what they're really trying to do, Fred, because, uh, many people never come to that understanding and, uh, they are trying to propagate this disease. Absolutely. They want people to be like them and, uh, we have to fight that and, and you fight that by caring enough. And I wish you all the best with your son. And I want to thank you for your call. And, uh, I think it can be done. It, you, you're obviously going to have to work on it very very in a very focused way with a lot of other people i I would my best advice in a situation like that i'm not going to just tell you exactly how to do it because there's so many different approaches but my best advice is don't try to take all that onto your own shoulders by yourself work with other people with this individual that you're talking about that you're trying to build up out of that condition the more people who understand the condition and are helping you to do it with willpower I think the better success rate that you'll have, the better success you're going to have with, with that, uh, endeavor. So all my best to you, uh, Bob from Cincinnati back in the queue, Bob, welcome back to what on earth is happening. Sorry. You got cut off last time. Oh, thank, thank you, Mark. And, and, uh, I'm so glad I got back through. Um, I missed the last portion of the show and I'll have to go back and uh, check it out. But, uh, th- thank you once again for your voice from all of us out here on 150 episodes it is a it is such an honor to speak to you again on your relaunch show here on Republic Broadcasting. What on earth is happening? Definitely. And Bob, it was great hanging out with you in North Carolina. We had a really great time after the uh, New Age BS and the suppression of the Sacred Masculine Revisited Seminar that I gave there in Asheville. We all hung out, had a nice meal, uh, talked until about midnight that that evening, and uh, just really all got together and had a great time and shared a lot of great ideas. So it was a great great to see you there. And and your wife was there as well and it was just a, a, an all-around great time. Thank, thank you. Yes, it was, and uh, um, I've recently put up a few shows, some commentaries. I've, I've posted your um, uh, Natural Law, Real Law of Attraction in New Haven, Connecticut, Yale Lecture um, as four parts for Occult Empire, um, but I, I did a little intro, and I spoke about how it was such a pleasure and how I had to elbow three or four people just to get near you <laughs> at that after party. Uh, Mark, entered, 
<laughs> Mark entertained us, entertained our questions. It was a one-on-one session over a couple of brews with Mark Passio. That's right. I, I wouldn't have passed. <laughs> I wouldn't have passed that up for uh, uh, dinner with the uh, the uh, top of the the food chain, Mark, uh, at the at their New York finery. But but uh, but thank you for taking my call. It was such a wonderful time. Um, uh, Freeman Fly was there. Yeah. He came up from South Carolina. That's right. Jamie. Freeman and Jamie, they were both there. It, it, I mean, it was it was just awesome afterward because again you could relax with the formalities of a formal presentation and just relate to people as an individual and, and as friends you know as people who are all trying to do get the same thing accomplished so that was probably my favorite part of the whole evening and uh the whole weekend and l- l- like i was saying before we I, I feel that there were teachers who were there there were people who are teaching this information, not just coming and hearing about it and learning about it themselves. They're at the point where they're getting ready to transition and start teaching this information. And that's what gave me a lot of hope uh, at the Asheville seminar. I think it was uh, really great and rejuvenating, uh, you know, for me to see that amongst the people who attended. And uh, as I told people last week, I did recover the audio. The audio sounds good. Um, uh, it wasn't audio recorded at the computer on the stage, but it was recorded through a, a microphone through the air, but it was good quality, a good quality recorder, obviously. And um, I am working on the video as we speak. Uh, so that should be forthcoming within hopefully a couple of weeks at the most. Uh, my video editing skills are not the uh, the sharpest or the fastest, but uh, I, I, pl- I, you know, uh, charge my way through it and I'll, I'll get a decent video out there uh, within a reasonable amount of time. So look for that at, at least within the next month. Yes, our our good new friend Steve from Florida saved the day. Yes, he did. And uh, rec- uh, what a great person! He, He's going to he, be uh, a teacher of this information. He already really is. I mean, what a great guy! You know, uh, you could just tell by talking to him how genuine he was, and that's the same dynamic I got from everybody there. They're 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 not only hungry for this information; they're hungry to start presenting it to other people. That's what we need more of. Absolutely. Yes, more more voices out there uh, just doing whatever they can, uh, posting a blog uh, on one of the blogspot or wordpress.com, uh, going on to the radio shows, uh, like uh, my blog talk, of course, is my venue, uh, but there's talk shoot. Everybody, guys, get out there, uh, get your voices out there, uh, speak natural law as you know it. Uh, it is worthwhile. Uh, Mark, uh, any determination on these psychopaths? What uh, What's driving uh, the, the psycho- psychopath? Well, like I was saying, they, they want everybody to be as miserable as they are. Uh, you know, there's a great Carlos Castaneda quote, regardless of what anyone thinks of, of Castaneda, you know, because he put out allegories as kind of like, you know, real life stories. Uh, but uh, I personally really like his work, and I think it's the the uh, underlying philosophical messages in the work that are important, not what the actual condition was. This is where people always get hung up. You know, what, what, you know, was he really there with this guy? Was he a real guy? Is he making it up, folks? He's putting the uh, philosophical understanding into an allegorical work of fiction, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. Okay. Uh, you could get all on his case because he may have passed it off as an actual series of events, but you know, whatever does the work stand on its own for the value it's trying to teach people. And I feel that it does. And he talks about the predator mindset the Don Juan character talks about. Maybe I'll try to find that during one of the breaks and read it to people because it's all about the, the condition of psychopathy and how these controllers try to propagate it. 
Bob, great to hear from you. Thanks so much for calling. We'll see you on the other side of this break. We'll be right back, folks. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. I want to uh, actually uh, give people another couple of real quick, brief announcements. Uh, I'm going to be in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, it's uh, shaping up to be a pretty good event. Uh, it's going to be taking place at the end of May. I think it's the last day of May, May 31st. So uh, keep that date in mind. I'm going to uh, announce some uh, definite details on it within the next week. So uh, look for uh, that to go up on my website, and I'll be talking about it here next week as well when I get uh, more uh, fully confirmed details. But the date is set for May 31st in St. Louis, Missouri. So that's going to be the next uh, seminar that I'm giving. Uh, also, I uh, just want to uh, I put the word out there in an interview uh, this week. Uh, um, that's on my news section of my, uh, my website, what on earth is happening.com. But, uh, I figured I'd announce it here officially tonight for the first time that there is going to be a, what on earth is happening book. It's actively in the works right now. And I'm working with an editor to make that happen. So, uh, there will be probably more than one volume at some point, but at least the first volume uh, I'm hoping that uh, between myself and the editor I'm working with, we can uh, collaborate on this project and get it done within uh, maybe a year's time. So uh, within the next year, there's going to probably be a book out called What on Earth is Happening? And uh, hopefully it will be the first in a series. So people have been really hammering on me to uh, put this information out there in written form and uh with uh, the gentleman that I'm working with, uh, hopefully we could make that happen uh, within a short order of time. I'm really excited about the whole project, and I think it's going to be really great when we do finally publish this in uh, in uh, physical book form. So for uh, hardcore readers out there, and for people who prefer the written for- format, uh, the written media, uh, you know, this book is going to be uh, it's going to hit huge when it finally hits, and um, you know, it'll make a great gift for people too, who you might want to wake up to what's really going on. So, uh, you know, just thought I'd throw that out here for the first time. And, uh, you know, I'm now I'm sure lots of people will hound me by email. When's this going to be actually out and, and, and done. Uh, it'll be finished when it's finished. (laughs) That's the answer. And, uh, but, uh, uh, just wanted to let people know it is in the works. So that's uh, really great news and it's big news. Uh, because the spoken word is my preferred format, not so much the written word, but I do realize the importance of putting something like that out there and uh, we're going to make it happen. So um, let's, uh, let's go back to the phones. Let's talk to, uh, let's talk to Alex in New Hampshire. Alex, you're live on what on earth is happening. Welcome. Hi, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. Uh, I have two brief questions. Sure. Uh, The first question is, 
so these uh, these people with this occulted knowledge, mm-hmm. they understand natural law and they understand how it works. Right. And if that's if that's the case, why would they try to do such great evil to humanity, knowing that um, they're going to get a spiritual kick in the butt? Okay, I have answered this question before on previous What on Earth is Happening podcast, but it is very important, okay? The answer is, they are not the ones doing the evil, ultimately. The ones who are really controlling the dynamic are issuing the orders to other individuals to carry them out by following their orders. The order followers are the ones who are doing this with their behavior, with their actions to the people of humanity. They are the ones who actually accomplish the task. So that is the answer. How do they think that they are going to escape from the brunt of the karmic consequences of natural law? Because they're not the ones actually performing the actions. Order followers are namely the police and the military, the people who are going to take upon their life force, upon their soul, the deepest karmic consequence when it comes to natural law consequences are the people who actually do the violent actions that they have no right to perform against other individuals. And those individuals throughout history have been the dupes the pawns, the dogs of these individuals who do understand how this works. And that is how they are insulating themselves from those consequences because they're not the ones doing them. All they're doing is moving their lips. They're writing things down on paper, writing things down on paper, typing at a keyboard, moving their lips. What are they actually physically doing? Has anybody been uh, hardcore assaulted by uh, David Rockefeller or, uh, you know, uh, Jacob de Rothschild recently? They they, they wielded any uh, M4 rifles at anybody's head late of late. I, I don't I don't see that happening, and I'm not making excuse for their level of evil. Please don't see it as such. I'm just answering. If they understand how natural law operates, how are they insulating themselves against the negative effects of it? By, by continuing to propagate evil. It's because they're not actually taking the actions. Other people take the actions and then the, the consequences get brought down upon those individuals for the most part. It's not to say that there aren't going to be any consequences for the kind of false ideas that they've propagated. There are consequences for them. They've chosen those less severe consequences because I, I've told people this before. Ladies and gentlemen, listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. Okay. If I had to choose, if someone, let's say the creator of the universe somehow manifested itself and said, you must choose and you have no choice in the matter. You must choose between these two eventualities. You will go into the body or into the place of one of the psychopathic world controllers who has actually uh, tried to, to, to wield influence in this world and convince other people to do their bidding, okay? Or you must go into the body or into the place of one of the people who followed their orders and actually committed those wrongdoings without asking the question, is this something that I should be doing because it's morally right and I have a right to do it? 
In a heartbeat, I'd take the situation where I would go into the body or in the place of the world controller. In a heartbeat, without even thinking about it for a, for a second. Because the karmic, the brunt of the karmic consequence is always going to be the strongest, the deepest, the darkest for the individual who carries out the action. And no one wants to hear that spoken. No one, you want to talk about the, one of the most painful things there ever is to hear. It's what I just laid out right there, folks. Though, well, it's why they call it a police state. They don't call it a banker state, folks. They don't call it a politician state, nor is it called a lawyer state or a judge state, okay? Or a corporation state. It's called a police state, a totalitarian closed society for a reason. It's called that because those are the people who ultimately make it happen, who ultimately create that actuality playing out in life experience. Without those people taking those actions, that actuality cannot form, cannot manifest in reality. Get it through your heads, ladies and gentlemen. That's how the laws of karmic consequence work. And that's, these controllers know it. And they've done a masterful job of getting other people to do their dirty work for them. And they continue to do it. They continue to just absolutely lick the rear end of these lunatic psychopaths and say, yes, master, can I have another? Can I have another beating? Heap some more abuse on me. Call me your dog. They love it. They can't get enough of it. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening, and I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. We were talking to Alex in New Hampshire before the break. He asked the question about, um, you know, if the controllers of this world understand natural law and know that it's in effect, why do they try to break it and disobey it? And my answer was, they really don't. They get people to do that dirty work for them. And just as a, a one uh, addendum to what I said before the break, I just want to tell, make this statement on the air in no uncertain terms, very equivocally. The most evil people in this world are not the people who issue the commands the most evil people in this world are those who follow them. Order followers are the depths of evil, ladies and gentlemen. Get as offended as you like. Scream and, and bang on the walls. Cry in your milk. I don't care what you think of that statement. It's the truth. I'm not here. To blow smoke up your rear end, I'm not here to make you feel good about the truth. The truth is ugly. I'm not here to win a popularity contest or have you like me. It's not why I do this. Believe me, if I just wanted to be liked, I'd be telling people what they wanted to hear all day long. The most evil people in this world are people who follow other people's orders. I don't care if those orders are 
high-minded with the best of intentions and even possibly in alignment with morality. It wouldn't even matter if they were those if the orders were in alignment with morality to just blindly follow is still an evil act because you are giving up the gift of the creator, free will. Free will to choose for yourself right action over wrong action once you clearly understand the difference. There is no conscience in following any order, any order, no matter how well-intentioned. Conscience does not exist within that being because conscience is the knowledge of the definitive difference between objective moral behavior and objective immoral behavior. The objective difference between those two modalities of behavior. And as long as somebody is following orders, they're not exercising their conscience by definition, by definition. I hope that definitively answers my stance on that. And it's good. This is good because to clarify things like that, that's why I like to do these question and answer shows. We really need to do more of them. So people get a clarified understanding of the teachings that I've been putting out on these topics and my take on, you know, uh, on what they have to ask. Okay. Uh, I'd like to do it more. I really do have to move to newer material though, because I'm trying to build up to a new thesis and, uh, I'm slowly on, on, unfurling that and unpacking it. But, uh, this show is kind of like a buildup to that. Uh, and I like taking questions like that. So, uh, I believe Alex, you had a second question. I'll, I'll let you come back and, and uh, finish your second question. Yes. Thank you very much for the clarification. Sure. Um, the, the second question is, have you ever heard of a guy named Graham Hancock? Sure. I was wondering what you thought about his work on the roots of humanity and ayahuasca. I like Graham, Graham Hancock's work. I think his work with uh, the Lost Civilization, uh, in particular, that three-part series that he did years ago, was was brilliant. It was phenomenal. Um, I uh, I like his work that he's done with uh, entheogenic compounds um, in the book. I believe it was uh, Supernatural. Um, I think his work is is very good. Um, I don't think that you know he gets into some of the areas that someone like myself gets into when it comes to the dark occult. Not many people do because a lot of them don't have that firsthand knowledge, and you know they don't want to get into the speculation. Uh, so in that sense, he doesn't cover the the darkness aspect of what's going on. I would say to the extent of some other researchers, but nonetheless, I I feel his work is pretty solid and. Uh, I think uh, people's worldview would begin to expand and open up if they uh, took a look at his information about uh, lost civilizations. Uh, so I highly recommend his work and uh, people who he worked with, like Robert Bouval, for, for that particular information. And I think he's, uh, he's coming online to really understand how deeply controlled this society is and absolutely speaking out against it, which I commend him for. So uh, I, have, I have no problem with Graham's work, and I think a lot of people should check it out. Okay, very good. Thank you very much for taking my call tonight. Sure, you got it, Alex. All right, let's uh, go to another caller. Um, Let's uh, hear from uh, Milton in Minnesota. Milton, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I love your program, and I think that there's a hesitancy to recognize when you talk about psychopathy. Uh, the real evil geniuses behind this, a lot of people don't want to recognize Colonel Tom Parker, uh, who laid out the original plan 
And even it's been common, you know, on RBN, we have uh, Deanna Spangolo, one of the uh, hosts on RBN, uh, during that time period, uh, had been living with Colonel Tampa and had dated Elf because she had dated Elvis Presley and was intimate knowledge of the secret society. Sure. Uh, the Freemasons uh, who were behind all of this, you see. Now, the CIA was involved, but not to the extent uh, as much as the Jesuits. The Jesuit priests were all behind this, along with, uh, what's the name of that one association? Uh, they call it... Uh, Oh yeah, the Illuminati. They was in on it. <laughs> there's su- there's you know su- such a uh, interlocking connection of orders of uh, interconnected societies that have all been working toward the same agenda. It, it 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 it's just it's a hodgepodge. It's it's again it's a hierarchy, a hierarchy that's built upon um, order following, built upon uh, doing things that you are asked without question, because you will receive favors in return, uh, protecting your, your brothers in the network, you know, your, your compatriots within the network. And, uh, it, it's, it, it's, a it's a spider's web of interconnectivity. That's what we have to understand that it's no one particular group. It is a group of psychopathic entities that have all come together that they've all said, we can't accomplish this dark work on our own. We have to come together and say, we're going to work together toward this end goal, toward this end game, you know, and that's what they do. They're, they're very effective at putting their minds together. They call it in the dark occult, a mastermind. Literally, this is their name for this uh, construct. Okay. What, what, see, when we consider the term mastermind, people think one person and they're the big planner and everybody else follows them. That's not what a mastermind is in the dark occult world. A mastermind is a group of individuals that are focused intently on the same work. They come together, they form one large mind, okay, all focused on that end goal, that end game. And they will let nothing deter them from their path. They're unified in how they think, in the methodologies they're going to use to accomplish that goal. They're they're unified in their dark form of care. It isn't empathic care, but it's, it's focused intent. It's saying, I care about getting this done so much. This is what I want more than anything else, more than anything else in life. And that's a form of care. I call it dark care because it's not really empathic care. It's not emotion-based care. It's just, I care so much about getting this done. I'm going to make it my, my ultimate goal. And I'm going to focus all my energy on it, no matter what it takes. So they have that as well. So they have the intellect, they have care in the form of dark care, and they have the will to act and they're unified on those fronts. So the universe is going to respect entities like that, even if they're dark and evil, because if they're unified and their thoughts, emotions, and actions are working on the same page toward the same goal on a focused effort, then the universe is going to grant them what they want even if it's something that's bad for other people. 
And people can't comprehend that. They, they get angry at me for saying that. How could you say the universe is going to give them what they want? Easy. Because they're unified and we're not. The universe respects unity consciousness. Even if that unity consciousness happens to be dark unity consciousness. It's going to respect unity over divisiveness. And that's why they're on the same page. They're working as a tight-knit unit for the same goals. We're all over the place. The side of freedom and good and order is all over the place, scattered to the four winds of the earth, can't get together over the basics, which is natural law. That needs to come first. Everything else is ancillary to that. Everything else is icing on the cake. Until you understand the laws of morality, you understand nothing. We'll pick this up on the other side, folks. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I want to thank Milton from Minnesota for his call previously. Yeah, he brought up uh, Colonel Tom Parker, you know, the former uh, handler of Elvis Presley, and uh, kind of uh, reminded me of the interview I did uh, a while back with, with Bob from Cincinnati on his show, Occult Empire, uh, on alchemy. And uh, we talked about the killing of the king ritual. I actually uh, recently went back and... Uh, checked out a YouTube video that somebody made with some imagery uh, from that interview uh, and isolated that particular section where we talked about the killing of the king ritual. Uh, a lot of people don't know what this ritual is. It's a, a blood sacrifice ritual. They bring it out every now and again. Whenever there's an influential person, n- most of the time an influential male in society who has a some kind of a synchro mystic resonance with the king and what the king represents is sovereignty and what the king represents is natural law. Again, the last slide from my uh, natural law seminar was Lex Rex, meaning the law is king. Natural law is king. It's enthroned. It's God's law on the throne of heaven. That's the macrocosmic uh, force at the top of the macrocosmic tree of life of the, the uh, second tree of the tarot. Uh, if you lay out the tarot cards according to the Kabbalistic tree, uh, the, the major arcana is split into two, uh, two um, half halves of 11 cards each. And then you take the first and last card, which represents the soul and the, micro, and the, the macrocosmic world. So the microcosm and the macrocosm, they would be the dot cards on that tree of life. And if you lay out the numbered cards, uh, you know, 1 to 10 and then 11 to 20 on the two respective trees of life in this system of correspondences, you have the, the magician, which is the mastered self at the top of the microcosmic tree, and you have uh, natural law or the justice card, the king, which represents God at the top of the macrocosmic tree, God's law. You know, God's law rules the universe and uh, man rules himself if he is the magician, if he is the sovereign. You know, he then he's in the image and likeness of the creator. He's not the creator of the universe, but he's in his image and likeness, one who is like the creator. Uh, because he's a creator of his own experience in a way that reflects wisdom. 
You know, it's not claiming to be God. It's not what's being said there. It's saying that we reflect the values and the intelligence and the wisdom of the creator when we rule ourselves in a wise fashion instead of trying to rule someone else or allowing ourselves to be ruled by psychopathic lunatics. So um, maybe I'll post that video with the podcast. I think it's a really, you know, can clarify about not only blood rituals that we may see during the season of sacrifice, but uh, very powerful uh, imagery regarding, uh, you know, how these uh, psychopaths work to try to uh, kill a symbol. You know, they're either killing the goddess in some kind of blood ritual, you know, like Columbine High School, Virginia Tech school shooting, the Columbia space shuttle disaster, you name it, constantly events named after the goddess, you know, that are ultimately blood sacrifice rituals. And then they have this killing of the king ritual where if somebody really wields a lot of influence and is also coming online to uh, taking a moral position, they like to take them out, especially if they have any resonance with the king, like the king, uh, Elvis Presley, uh, the king of pop, Michael Jackson, who was starting to speak out against the lunatics in power. Um, you know, uh, John F. Kennedy, who had Camelot, that's a resonator, resonator for King Arthur, you know, and they you know, took him out, Martin Luther King, etc. And I touch on this symbolism, you know, the name symbolism in the, uh, you know, interview that I did with Bob, but, uh, I think I, I will post that video with this podcast just, uh, for people to check it out. And then you could go and check out the full podcast in, in the, uh, news section or at, uh, occult empire. Uh, also, I think I want to read on the other side of this, uh, next break coming up. I did find this, um, uh, excerpt from, uh, I believe it's the book, the Active Side of Infinity by Carlos Castaneda, where he explains the mindset of the psychopath. He calls it the predator, and he gives his take, Don Juan at least, gives his take in in this allegory, where did the predator mindset come from, and how does it control humanity? It's a great excerpt. I'll, I'll read it when I have time in the next segment, but let's go back to the phones uh, and uh, take some more calls. Uh, David from Ontario, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome, David. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Doing well. Yeah, I had a, I put a couple, uh, post a couple things on the, uh, the um, chat wing. Anyways, one of them was the idea that uh, my, I heard from my father about that human beings have actually gotten this time, consciousness level and sophistication and technology, perhaps even greater, yet failed in evolving, and of course. Like we, like we are right now at a point where if societies that have nuclear power were actually to have a serious outbreak of illness or breakdown in society, who the heck is going to turn and operate equipment yeah. that keeps all these reactors? We, we, we may already be in that set scenario. Uh, Mr. Gunderson, who's a physicist, has been saying since uh, uh, Fukushima's happened that we may already be experiencing that. It's a... Yeah time warp effect and down the road we'll all be gone and this whole thing will reset and it's going to take such a long time that unless you built it out of stone even then it might not exist again and look what you're going to do to all the other species that didn't deserve that fate you know oh absolutely that's that's the part of like where i've i've become a vegetarian by way of my wife coming to understand through netflix and i used to joke around how how am i i'm a vegetarian because my wife became a vegetarian through because of netflix and watching all the great um informative documentaries that are available there and any on the internet anyways sure and then now 
through what I've learned from you. I'm on one, 143 now of your podcast, and I'll go back and go over them because there's so much information, and I've, I've experienced so many, such a profound change in my life. And I've been on this path and never really hadn't realized. And you have allowed, you've been a great way shore. You know, you've shown me uh, a direction to, to now I've gone on to, going on to more. This is, I'm never going to stop for me. Well, I appreciate that. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm just, I'm just following yeah. my calling as it was laid out for me. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, I understand. you know, yeah. That's all. That's what we're all here to do, really. It's just some of us are starting to remember it and do it. That's all. That's what I'm. That's my next thing. I, I've got a lot of technology that I could. I've always wanted to put forth and use some of my music talents that I have sure. to 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 achieve that goal. But but that's that's besides the point. Um, the other thing I was wanted to ask is like uh, like corporations. Like I put, is it not strange that corporations, governments behave in a psychopathic behavior? Is this not the quantum effect of people abdicating or at least claiming to abdicate their sovereignty, yep. their sovereign responsibilities. Exactly. As above, so below. Yes. As within, so without. Yes. You know, we take on those non-values within ourselves. What do you think is going to reflect in the outside, seemingly outside world? It's just a mirror. It's just a mirror of what's inside of us. That's why people don't want to hear. You want to change the world. You got to change yourself. You have to do things differently than you've always done them. You can't just keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Doesn't work like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That structure is just a reflection. You know, it's a reflection of people wanting to abdicate that sovereignty, abdicate that personal responsibility, and just have someone else take that responsibility for them. It do, and it can't be done. You can only claim you're doing that. You're still ultimately responsible for what you create what we all create, we are responsible for. Core, the law of principle correspondence, as I'm, I've been put to, I'm reading the Kabbalion, understanding these hermetic teachings. Right. I, I want to, you know, uh, but anyways, correspondence is that, like, you know, the hottest day, of the, the the closest day that our northern hemisphere is to our sun is June 21st, correct? Right. Yet the hottest days are always after. Sure. Okay, and, and I was under the I started, you know, the 2012 phenomena and, you know, all these focus, focus, whatever. I mean, just, they're not, I'm just kind of getting out top with it. What I'm trying to say is that, so, I, these people are talking about how the sun, I, now I understand how actually the sun actually moves through space and around the supermassive black hole and it's spinning so fast that it's gravitational plane and energies are on a plane. That's why all galaxies are flattened and and like pie shape, like they're, they're flattened, right? And they're spinning around that thing. Yet the most powerful razor, the gamma radiation, is coming out right down that plane. And we passed that plane in 1998. And so those energies will be arriving just as the hottest days of the summer are after the solstice. I hear you. Great point. David, thanks for the call. We'll continue with your calls on the other side of this break. Stay with us. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back.
That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. Welcome back, everyone. This is hour number three of tonight's edition of What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Taking your calls today, the number to join us, 800-313-9443. Once again, the call-in number to join us, 800-313-9443. I want to read this excerpt from a Carlos Castaneda book, uh, I believe it's the active side of infinity, if, if I'm not mistaken, where this quote comes from. Uh, Don Juan, the Mexican Yaqui Indian shaman, tells Carlos Castaneda the following in this excerpt. Quote, We have a predator that came from the depths of the cosmos and took over the rule of our lives. Human beings are its prisoners. The predator is our Lord and master. It has rendered us docile, helpless. If we want to protest, it suppresses our protest. If we want to act independently, it demands that we don't do so. I have been beating around the bush all this time, insinuating to you that something is holding us prisoner. Indeed, we are held prisoner. This was an energetic fact for the sorcerers of ancient Mexico. They took us over because we are food for them. And they squeeze us mercilessly because we are their sustenance. Just as we rear chickens in chicken coops, the predators rear us in human coops. Humaneros. Therefore, Their food is always available to them. Carlos Castaneda replies to Don Juan, No, no, this is absurd, Don Juan. What you're saying is something monstrous. It simply cannot be true. For sorcerers or for average men or for anyone. And Don Juan responds calmly, Why not? Why? Why not? Because it infuriates you? You know, that's why it can't be true? You haven't heard all the claims yet. I want to appeal to your analytical mind. Think for a moment and tell me how you would explain the contradictions between the intelligence of man, the engineer, and the stupidity of his systems of belief, or the stupidity of his contradictory behavior. Sorcerers believe that the predators have given us our systems of belief and our ideas of good and evil, our social mores. They are the ones who set up our hopes and expectations and dreams of success or failure. They have given us covetousness, greed, and cowardice. It is the predators who make us complacent, routinary, and egomaniacal. But how can they do this, Don Juan, Carlos asked. Somehow, angered even further by what Don Juan was saying, do they whisper all that in our ears while we are asleep? No, they don't do it that way. That's idiotic, Don Juan said, smiling. 
They are infinitely more efficient and organized than that. In order to keep us obedient and meek and weak, the predators engage themselves in a stupendous maneuver. Stupendous, of course, from the point of view of a fighting strategist. A horrendous maneuver from the point of view of those who suffer it. They gave us their mind. Do you hear me? The predators gave us their mind, which becomes our mind. The predator's mind is baroque, contradictory, morose, filled with the fear of being discovered any minute now. I know that even though you have never suffered hunger, you have food anxiety, which is none other than the anxiety of the predator who fears that at any moment now, its maneuver is going to be uncovered and food is going to be denied it. Through the mind, which after all is their mind, the predators inject into the lives of human beings whatever is convenient for them. And they ensure in this manner a degree of security to act as a buffer against their fear. The sorcerers of ancient Mexico were quite ill at ease with the idea of when the predator made its appearance on earth. They reasoned that man must have been a complete being at one point with stupendous insights, feats of awareness that are mythological legends nowadays. And then everything seems to disappear and we now have a sedated man. What I am saying is that we have against us not a simple predator. It is very smart and very organized. It follows a methodical system to render us useless. Man, the magical being that he is destined to be, is no longer magical. He is an average piece of meat. There are no more dreams for man but the dreams of an animal who is being raised to become a piece of meat, trite, conventional, and imbecilic. That's from Carlos Castaneda's The Active Side of Infinity. And while Don Juan there might be putting out a very dark worldview, I would ask people to listen to what he's actually saying there, that a predator that is not part of us has come from the depths of the cosmos and took over this place, took over the rule of our lives, and they did it by the stupendous maneuver of infecting us with their mindset, with their worldview, with their ideology. Our mind is now working as their mind. We are taking up their ways. We have taken up their ways. They gave us, he says, they gave us our systems of belief. They gave us our systems of belief, all of our religions, all of them, not just some of them, all of them. They gave us the monetary system. Okay. They gave us the slavery system called government. And yet we propagate it because we have their same mindset. Very, very, very difficult for people to hear. Don Juan didn't want to, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Carlos Castaneda didn't want to hear it from this wise man. He didn't want to hear it. And Don Juan asked him, why can't it be? When, when Carlos Castaneda says this is absurd, it can't be true. He says, why not? Why can't that be true? Because you get mad at it? 
So you're the arbiter of truth of what happened here in the ancient past, long before you were born? See, this is where people's mindset that won't look at possibilities that may have occurred. I'm not telling you you have to accept it as gospel truth, but if your mind is closed to the possibility that something here happened in our ancient past that we are loath to accept and understand because of how uncomfortable it is, you know, we may never understand our true origins if that's our mindset. We may never understand what put us in our current condition, in our current mental condition, first and foremost. You know, what created all these disorders, these genetic disorders and defects in the human genome? Human beings have four, over 4,000 specific genetic disorders within the human genome. No other animal on this planet has that many genetic defects in its genome. None. Zero. We're the only animal that's not naturally adapted to living on the surface of this planet, except the other animals that we genetically modified, like the domesticated dog and cat. You know, why would that be the case? And people will say, that's just natural. That's how evolution worked upon us. I don't think that's how evolution works, period. I don't, I don't really accept that personally. I think that's a, a twisted Darwinian worldview that is actually really stretching for an explanation. I don't think it has Occam's razor applied whatsoever, to tell you the truth. Not a bit, not at all. So, you know, we'll go to the phones after this uh, next break and uh, hopefully we could, you know, take more questions or maybe hear your take on this. Call in number to join us, 800-313-9443. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be right back. gotta wake up from our sleep if it is our soul that we want to keep very eloquent words and the only way we're going to wake up is by developing an open mind when it comes to looking at the possibilities of where the conditions that we are currently experiencing came from ladies and gentlemen you have a closed mind to that, good luck, because you're never going to understand the possible origins of our species. And let me tell you what one of the best methods of controlling the human species is. You cut them off from the knowledge of their origins. You have a people who you can cut off, a people you can cut off from the knowledge of their true origins are a people that you're going to be able to control and enslave almost indefinitely. But they haven't succeeded at this. They're not going to succeed at it. You know, and the other thing is, I, I feel that this, um, I want to go back to this first possibility real quick before going to the phones. This possibility that, oh, it's just all natural. The whole psychopathy, you know, interspecies predation. It's a natural development. This is like, some people think, some morons, I should say, think that this is, this is the epitome of humanity. This is the apex of evolutionary development. And these are the alpha humans. 
that don't have the ability to feel. I actually hear this. I see, I've read this in forums with people discussing psychopathy, people praising this condition, this sickness, this illness of the mind, praising it as if it's something that's great and should be aspired to like a psychopath in training. It's really a secondary psychopath looking up to his owners, to his masters, you know, I mean, it really is the mindset of the perfect slave. If you really want to get down to brass tacks and call it what it is, you know, it's, it goes hand in hand. This whole worldview goes hand in hand with this notion that since it's been like this, it always has to be this way, must be that way. Can't be any other way. I mean, I just feel sorry for anybody that, that has that worldview. It's, it's, it's amazing how many people are stuck there too unbelievable how many people are trapped in that mental condition and that's what it means to have the predator's mind and that means you're going to be locked in the cage called the slavery condition on the earth for a long 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 time as long as that's the mindset expect resistance from creation and don't expect freedom do not expect it you pay lip service to that all you want Okay. And say, yeah, I want to be free. I want there to be freedom. I want there to be justice. Well, good luck when that's your mindset. Your mindset is actually propagating the exact reverse of that. And, you know, people are a long way off from really understanding how this works. You know, that the mind is ultimately creating the reality we experience. If you want things to be different, the mind must change. I mean, that's from day one, what I've been saying on this podcast, well, on this radio show. Until you go in and change the way you think about what you believe to be true, don't expect external conditions to change magically. It must be changed from the level of mind before it is changed at the level of manifestation. So as long as your mindset is exactly what uh, Carlos Castaneda is explaining there, told by the character Don Juan about how the predator's mindset has been taken on by humanity expect to live in a cage for eternity until that changes. So let's go to the phones. Um, Amber in Vancouver, you're live on what on earth is happening. Welcome, Amber. Uh, Amber dropped. Okay. She, she dropped. Uh, let's try Derek in Pennsylvania. You're live on what on earth is happening. Welcome. Hey, Mark. Hi, Derek. How you doing? The all is mine. And that's where it begins, right? That's what we learned at your natural law seminar this past summer. So right on with that. Um, before I get to um, discussing psychopathy, I just want to say it's fabulous news, and I wish you uh, all the all the success with that new book. That's going to be awesome. Sure. It may take a little and, while, but we'll we'll get there. And hey, uh, it's going it's going to be uh, it's going to be out there at some point. So just wanted right. to announce so, it because the first thing of putting it into manifestation is you set that intention and speak it speak it out into the universe so right. it will be done it's it's, it's something for uh, all us fans and all those uh, people that love truth and uh, love your work and want to spread the word um to look forward to so awesome yeah um well you know after the the, the last passage you, you read it it sounds it sounds like it's an infection or a virus Good way to look at it, um, prior, actually. Yeah, prior, prior to you reading that, I, I was uh, debating myself that, it, you know, could it sounds like it could be number three as an experiment gone bad. I, I am open-minded to that possibility, certainly. Yeah, I mean, think about it. it. 
Yeah. What are we doing with technology now? Unwisely. A whole lot of stuff. You know, like yeah. what the previous yeah. caller talked about, about our nuclear technology. You know, we're not even considering breakdowns in these places that have this form of energy. And then who's, who's running these reactors? Look at what's going on in Fukushima still to this day. It's, it's worse than it was on day one. I mean, you know, what this is doing to the oceans, what this is doing to the environment, what this is doing to people and animals. I mean, we built these systems. We built these systems. No one else did this to us. We put this into effect uh, without thinking about the possible, you know, repercussions. It's your, it's your responsibility thinking. Totally. You, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're just, it's unintended consequences that uh, we don't look. Yeah. We, I guess all because we wanted to, to we at. wanted to murder Tesla's ideas, you know, and, and, yeah. and take his name out of history so people can't understand that there's abundant energy flowing all around us. And it's just a matter of understanding how to tap that natural flow of energy in nature and not have to create these explosive forms of energy, which are, which are totally wasteful anyway. They're not, they're not efficient ways of harnessing energy, regardless of what anybody thinks, you know, nature is, is a conservation engine when it comes to energy. And, uh, that's what Tesla was attempting to explain to people through his work. And we didn't want to listen. No, because we know better because Tesla was trying to implement that technology for free for the betterment of, of all people of the earth. So the, the industrialist engineers and financiers of his day couldn't allow that playing field to be leveled. No, because they had to stay in total control. You know, we can't have anything that's going to benefit everybody here. What will that do in the third world nations, especially where we have to really, you know, lock them down on eugenics programs, you know, God forbid. Right. The other, the other thought I had on, uh, on, um, number four was maybe it was created as some type of like, uh, what if entertainment project. And, And the reason why I say that is because the thought, you know, as a kid and a, a, you know, a young kid who loved movies, Mm -hmm. I remember watching Clash of the Titans, and the gods would just stand around in a circle Hmm. with like a, a, you know, little game piece or little um, kind of platform, and just maneuver, you know, make like little maneuvers of of whatever the, um, I guess you could say the figure was. Right. So, so, I mean, that, that's how I, I could see that being a possibility hey, as Derek, well. Derek, you may not be all that wildly off with that uh, speculation, uh, you know, than you think, because it may very well be something just like that. You know, and the, those movies, they're allegories, you know, they're, the, you can't just look at those as fiction. The makers of those movies were trying to say something about what may have really been taking place here in the ancient past and beings that considered themselves titans or gods and demigods and did have interactions with uh, humanity in the ancient world and lived here among us. I'm going to be getting into this in future shows for sure. And and just to say that, um, to uh, support what you just said, you know, people think Greek mythology is just kind of like a story, but I, I mean, there's numerous accounts of how certain gods interacted with I guess you could say the earthlings or the humans and created I guess maybe I don't know maybe a new species or a whole new race or a whole new breed of of some type of organism well keep entertaining those possibilities Derek and you'll go a long way and then start getting some reading materials on it I'm going to be suggesting a lot of reading materials on this, these very possibilities in the coming weeks so stay tuned to the show thanks so much for the call we'll be right back ladies and gentlemen stay with us
Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Let's continue with your calls in this hour. Gary in Pittsburgh, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hello, Gary, are you there? Uh, hello? Gary, yes, you're live. Welcome. Yeah, yeah Mark. Uh, Gary from Pittsburgh. I'm the guy with the DVDs that was down here in Nashville. Oh, yeah. How you doing? Good. But I, I wish I could have hung out for a while, but we had a great time, and I uh, brought a couple, uh, I guess, newcomers. I got a whole stack of your uh, documentaries right here next to me right now. We're, we're going to be showing them as we uh, move forward doing our uh, Truth, Freedom, Prosperity documentary film screenings on a monthly basis. So I want to thank you for all of those. Great, great. Yeah. I got to start. Uh, I think I have your email. Uh, I, got a, I got a new one I was looking at. Um, you know, when you were talking last week, uh, we were at another event last week, so I didn't get a chance to call. Um on the way back, we were listening to uh, your show, and you were talking about the season of sacrifice. Yes, I reviewed that last week on the show. Right, and when and when the shooting happened, when when was the uh, Fort Hood shooting? Tuesday or something? I think so. That's the first thing. I, yeah, the first thing I thought about. Yeah. And um, I, uh, you know, I keep waiting for something huge to happen here. I never realized that three twenty two was March twenty second. Yeah. Something else I'd learn from you. <laughs> yeah, it's right it's, uh, after the uh, sp- spring equinox, which is, uh, you know, the beginning of this, quote, season of sacrifice. Uh, it's a highly right. symbolic time of the year for them because, they're you know, they're all about the dark sun. And the sun, you know, is the ultimate source of energy. And, you know, they're, they're a solar cult. It's a dark solar cult, ultimately. The dark light means... Uh, knowledge being used to control instead of to enlighten and uplift. So that's why they take their symbolism uh, after the sun, but it is specifically dark solar cult symbolism. Well, it all makes sense. You know, I've learned so much from you. I've learned so much in the past 10 years. Um, you know, I, you know, waking people up has become a uh, art, you know, uh, like you say, most people aren't ready for the truth. I mean, if if it doesn't make them feel good, they don't want to hear it. You know, it's it's very disturbing. I mean, I've become obsessed with doing this. I tried to quit doing this for a while, and uh, I couldn't sleep. So it, it is a great work waking people up. And that's right. uh, once you're doing the great work, though, you won't stop because you recognize yeah, that's I all mean, there is to do. That's the only work there is here to do. That's what we came hey, here to I mean, do. We're going to wake these people up. It's just a matter of how long is it going to take and how uncomfortable is it going to be along the way? You know, how, how, how rigidly in their calcified mind state are they really embedded? But more and more people are starting to chip away at that stone. More and more people are starting to come forward and speak the truth unapologetically to others and start to do that great work. It, it's, it's happening. The question is, is, is it enough? Is it in time? You know, time will tell. I can't answer that question. I can't tell you I know that definitively. But I know more people are coming on to the great work and they're starting to do it. They're starting to say, I won't resist anymore. I'm going to do the will of creation. This is what I came here to do. 
I came here as a spiritual warrior to end slavery on this planet. And I'm going to do that work no matter what it takes, you know, until it's done. And uh, when we get more people in that mindset, we have more spiritual warriors reactivating on their mission, the mission that they came here to accomplish. You know, I know that you're one of them. And the more people that continue to speak the truth to other people, we're going to have more spiritual warriors coming online. And nothing's going to be able to stand up against that force once it becomes like a, a tidal wave. Nothing. A hundred copies of your uh, natural law seminar, and I've been giving them out. Um, Sweet. I don't, I don't start with that because it's a little too deep for most people. <laughs> you got, you got to start them off with something light, like the GMOs or whatever. Sure. But uh, you know, it's one thing to wake people up and, and get them to start looking at the truth. That that they, it's, I think it's easier to fool somebody than to convince them they've been fooled. And um, absolutely, once you start showing them the truth. It's a, it, it, it still amazes me how people run in fear. You know, it's like once you see the truth, how can you pretend like you didn't see it? Because that's all they've ever known. They've only known the illusion. Yeah. The illusion is the safe cage. You know, they have their yeah. trough there. They have their their little uh, box that they live in there. They have their mobile box that they go to their slave job there. That that illusion is very comfortable. It's a very set up nest. You know. And people are comfortable nesting because it's it doesn't involve the unknown. You know, it's it's known slavery. The known condition is slavery, and that's what people are comfortable with. And this goes hand in hand with this mindset that since it's always been like that, it must always be like this. You know, that's why people say, oh, right. what can I do to change it? Or it can't be changed. Yeah. That's just how it's always been. Nonsense. Utter right. total nonsense. This can be changed immediately if people wanted it. If we wanted it bad enough, if we wanted it as much as we want air to breathe, as much as we need food, you know, if we wanted it that bad, we could change this condition practically overnight because all it takes is to change the mind and stop supporting this nonsense. You know, we do that, it's game over and they know it. The people who are still trying to protect their paradigm know it and they know it's on a very, very fragile edge getting ready to crumble. It's going to take the one or two hits to re and it's going to reach resonant frequency and it's going to all shatter like, like, uh, you know, the resonant frequency of, of crystal or a, a piece of glass. And when it comes down, there's going to be no stopping it. It's going to be so rapid that the changes we're going to witness in our society are going to be unheralded. And, and it's going to be because of people who are putting the word out like yourself and many others that that's the, of why that dynamic is going to eventually happen and reach critical, a critical mass point. I'm not telling you there's not a long, long way to go to get there because there is from where the human mind is at. Now we need a lot more people telling this information to others. I can't stress that enough. That's what the great work is. It's not you knowing it. It's you helping others to know it. That's the great work that we are charged with. Amen. Well, thanks a lot for all your work. One one more quick story. We used to have a a storefront where we gave DVDs where we were right beside a laundromat. We had had a big screen TV in the picture window with speakers out front. People could sit down while they were waiting for their laundry. Well, anyway, this guy came in, um, and he was... He was talking about 9-11, and, you know, he, he was, like, uh, demeaning me and, you know, calling me a conspiracy theorist and all that. Mm-hmm. I said, listen, you know, just, just let me have five minutes of your time. And I pulled up on the 
computer, uh, Building 7 fallen. Because, of course, he never saw it because they showed it once on no, the day of the fall. event and never again on the mainstream media. What was his reaction? He started backing out of the store like I had pulled a gun on him. Yeah. And you know what he said to me? Now, this guy was a foot doctor. He was, a, you know, he was no dummy. He said to me, I wouldn't believe that even if it was true. Yep, and that's the state of mental illness like? called cognitive no. dissonance. That's mental illness. See, right. there's a person, right, who ostensibly is a sane human being that has a job that's respected and looked up to, right? Probably has a family, probably has children. And he's completely mentally ill. Literally. Think about what I just said there deeply. That's a mentally ill human being. He's witnessing something that actually occurred that was caught on film with his own eyes. Realizing that can't be explained unless it was a controlled demolition of some kind. Okay, regardless of how you think it was done. It was done deliberately on that day. Okay, and it wasn't the result of planes hitting that building, obviously. Okay, and he is saying to you, I would refuse to accept that our government orchestrated that condition, even if it were 100% proved that it was true. And this is the mindset that I'm talking about. The mindset of I'm the arbiter of truth based on what's comfortable for me. As long as somebody's in that condition, do you want to know what it really equates to? It actually equates to them claiming that they are God. What he is claiming indirectly is that he is the creator of the universe because what he's claiming to be is the one who makes truth the way that it is. He's claiming to be God. Okay? That's how sick that mindset is. That you're saying, I am the arbiter of truth. Truth is determined by what I say it is. Imagine to be in that position. Imagine that is your level of unconsciousness that you're going to say, because I'm uncomfortable with what really may have happened, I'm going to declare it did not occur that way. Unbelievable. A level of mental illness. People like that really shouldn't be walking around on the street, but unfortunately they are, and we're the ones who have to help them. Gary, great call. Thanks so much. We'll continue with your calls in the last segment. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, folks. This is the last segment for this edition of What on Earth is Happening? Where does the time fly? I mean, that is, uh, <laughs> that whole show went like in the blink of an eye. But uh, really having a good time talking to uh, callers, so let's keep it up and let's uh, continue with your calls. Let's go to Phil in Boston. You're live on What on Earth is Happening? Welcome, Phil. Hello? 
Yes, Phil, you're live. Go right ahead. I um, yeah, I was. I wanted to get into what the other guy, the last caller was saying about um, talking to try to break the news to people about what they see every day. Sure. Yeah. They don't even know what the days of the week mean. That's how. That's somehow. That's sometimes how I drop the seed to them. You know. Oh, that's a good one. That that's a nice gentle introduction. You know. You even know that yeah. the days of the week are named after, you know, planetary bodies, you know? Yeah. And it's all astrotheology. Absolutely. And I just keep going with it. And then I go into, like, how... And like, I had, I had like, an epiphany when I... And I started noticing the symbol, symbols everywhere around me. Sure. Um, there's this police station I walk by, and I notice there's, just, there's, there's ten lines like the paths on the tree of life. And there's a square with a circle in it at the top and a square circle with it at the bottom. And right where dots would be was the windows. And it was like it was like a symbol stressed, like it was polarized out. And it was it was all over the police station. Oh they they're constantly embedding tons of dark symbolism, dark occultic symbolism around police and military institutions and and, uh, you know, uh, places of operation. I mean, you know, all you have to, I don't, I'm not sure if, uh, you're familiar with my, uh, presentation from the free your mind one conference back in 2011, it was called the occult mockery of police and military personnel. If you haven't checked that one out, it's definitely one you're going to want to check out regarding this topic. And, uh, to any of the other listeners, just go on my videos section or on my YouTube channel and, uh, check that one out because, uh, the, these individuals are continuously being mocked and ridiculed by the occultists who are in control. Um, they're, uh, they're using these, uh, symbols not only to, to mock them, but to, um, uh, place them around the, place them around their places of business and work so that they can have a, a negative energetic impact on their consciousness, their mind. And, uh, it also conveys the message to them that they're being actively mocked at a subconscious level, not at a conscious level to explain it to them in a conscious way, but, uh, uh, it reinforces that negative energy, uh, at the level of the subconscious mind through symbolism, through archetypes and, uh, you know, vibratory energies that are conveyed in, in form and in color and shape and, you know, um, the, the sigils that are all around that institution. It's amazing. It's an amazing study. And you can go really deep into that study and, uh, you know, understand things like the hypercube and the trapezoid, uh, constant parts of uh, police and military symbolism. Um, again, the inverted pentagram used constantly, the checkerboard floor of the house. Uh, I definitely recommend that video. But um, yeah, um, they're, they're certainly employing that symbolism, and it's a way to wake people up, to show it to them, and bring it up to the conscious level, definitely. Yeah, they're like, you can see it in their eyes. They're all, uh, a lot of police are total adrenaline junkies, like to the point where it seems like they're brain, you know, they're actually brain damaged. It's a very, very brain damaging chemical, adrenaline. That's there for the flight fight response. When we're in fight mode, okay, or flight mode, whether we want to fight or run away, Blood is pumping, the heart pumps real fast, it generates the adrenal response, the adrenaline response, and blood flows away from the torso and the brain to the extremities where they are, where the, the, the force is going to be needed for fighting, 
with the upper extremities or for running away with the lower extremities. That's the state called stress. When that happens, your internal organs go into a state of shutdown. And if it happens chronically enough, that's what causes disease in in the internal organs, in the torso. And the brain is also lacking richly oxygenated blood, which ultimately over a long term period causes literal physical brain damage, specifically in the neocortical section of the brain and in the limbic brain, the midbrain. The R complex is getting all the all the blood and, and all the all the fight and flight is completely controlled by the R complex. That's right. Taking over taking over the brain and body. And that's why adrenal junkies are uh, especially when it comes to uh, adrenaline junkies that are triggered by violence are some of the most brain damaged people walking on the face of the earth. People who worship war, people who worship violence, people who worship, you know, uh, total control systems, you know, authoritarianism. These are some of the most brain damaged people on the earth, on the whole earth. Literally, I'm not, I'm not saying this figuratively, folks, very literally damaged brain that the electrochemical mechanisms in the neurosynapses of the brain are severely shut down. A brain scan would a- absolutely reveal this in many ways if a PET or SPECT scan were done of the neocortex of the brain, 100%. So even in red lights. Are, are, are throwing their brain off. Now, I'm going to the opposite ends of the, of the color spectrum that, that, that a person can see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when they keep, when you keep people in these forms of brain hemispherical imbalance, what you're doing is promoting more and more unconsciousness. And and as they stay in that level of imbalance, it's it's a piece of cake to manipulate and control them. Their their, their worldview is broken when they're in that state of uh, uh, brain imbalance. Only a balanced, a balanced worldview is only going to come into view within the human psyche when the brain is st- on its way to being healed and balanced. The physiology of the brain has everything to do with the way that we think. Definitely. So we have to, and that's the whole point here. Why aren't we taught about the brain? Why don't we learn about the human brain from, from grade, grade, you know, first grade on forward in kindergarten or whatever? You know, preschool, we should be starting to be taught about our own brains. And this is knowledge that is completely absent from all school systems everywhere, just about. And yet it's probably the most valuable information about how we work. We're not taught about how we work. No, no owner's operating manual for the human self, you know? Self left out of everything. Yep. Externalized. Pledge allegiance to the flag every day. They don't even make you say, you know, give yourself any, any affirmation yeah. of your own. Externalize all that power. You got it. And, and then you're just ripe pickings for the state, you know, as an order follower. Phil, I want to thank you. Great call. Very thought provoking and keep up the great work yourself. Uh, keep putting it out there for people. They'll, they will listen. Keep doing it. Uh, let's go on to Fred in California. Fred, you're live on what on earth is happening. Welcome. Thank you for what you're doing. Um, you're a very brave person. I think anybody that uh, uh, is a talk show host um, discussing this type of stuff, especially like on RBN and, and other talk shows, uh, are the frontline troops to try and make this a better world. Or, like in my case, my children and my grandchildren. 
my condition, uh, I've been in extreme pain uh, since 87 and uh, bedridden, and uh, I'm in pass-out pain, and uh, I read. When the towers dropped, I started reading history because I wanted to find out what was going on. Right. Good way um, to wake yourself up there. Yeah, I thought that'll I was do it. Time, you know, but I found out that, uh, geez, um, I had all this time to read and learn where other people are trying to keep their financial noses above water and yep. just don't have time to do it. And again, um, that that's the big part of the trap: get people involved in all sorts of other. Uh, modalities that take their time and that's the spiritual currency unless you're willing to invest at least a decent portion of that currency there's not going to be any return on that investment in the form of wisdom that's the return on that investment unfortunately that's how it works you know there's no easy answer when it comes to that knowledge is the pathway out of this and in order to acquire that you have to devote time and attention Great call, Fred. Thanks so much for uh, bringing up that point. Very important. That's all the time we have for this edition of What on Earth is Happening, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, there's only two mistakes you can make on the path to the truth, not starting and not going all the way. We'll see you here next week.